one of the things that I am determined to do is preach the full counsel of God's Word. If God wasn't embarrassed to put it there, it can be preached. God is not embarrassed by the things that we become embarrassed by. We might do it out in the world, but we somehow think that it shouldn't be discussed in the church. Well, that's not how God operates. So today we're going to be dealing with a very sensitive topic. And I will use as much discretion as I can, but it's very clear and it's not, it's just, it's just right there what it is. And it's not to bring condemnation, but it is to look at how are we to live life according to the standards and principle of God. And when God gives a word, it is always for the betterment of the church, his people. How to avoid things. And one of the things that as we have been going through the matter of the atonement, thank God that the blood covers Things that could be kept in the closet could be kept there. Thank the Lord. None of y'all need to know everything about everybody. Because some of y'all wouldn't just do Y'all would just go out and just tell everybody. <laughs> God is an awesome, an awesome God. In your Bibles, we have several passages that we're going to be reading today. So let me quickly get to that. Leviticus chapter 18. I'm going to read selected passages, most of it. So you're writing the scriptures down. Leviticus 18. I'm going to read verses 1 through 13. And then I'm going to read verses 21 through 30. Exodus chapter 20, verse 14. As Sister Michelle, you will get that passage. Exodus 20, 14. Sister Tanika, would you then get 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Mother Carol, would you get 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. And... Brother Small, would you get Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4? All right. All right. Would you stand as I pray, and I'll then have you, you will then be able to sit down after that. Today, Lord, we are gathered in this place thanking you for those that are here, that are present. Many people came through various trials this week, and yet you brought us here safely. In your wonderful grace and mercy, you have provided for us. You have taken care of us. Even when we didn't think we were going to make it ourselves, you have been faithful to us. We thank you that the weathermen don't know what they're talking about. We thank you for your beautiful weather. We thank you for the word of God. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Leviticus chapter 18, beginning in verse 1. I'll be reading from the NIV, the New International Version. The passage that the reading will be a little different upon the, on the board. Ex- Leviticus chapter 18, beginning in verse 1. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You must not do as they do in Egypt, where you used to live, and you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you. Do not follow their practices. You must obey my laws and be careful to follow my decrees. I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and laws, for the man who obeys them will live by them. I am the Lord. No one is to approach any close relative to have sexual relations. I am the Lord. Do not dishonor your father by having sexual relations with your mother. She is your mother. 
Do not have relations with her. Do not have sexual relations with your father's wife. That would dishonor your father. Do not have sexual relations with your sister, either your father's daughter or your mother's daughter, whether she was born in the same home or elsewhere. Do not have sexual relations with your son's daughter or your daughter's daughter. That would dishonor you. Do not have sexual relations with the daughter of your father's wife. Born to your father, she is your sister. Do not have sexual relations with your father's sister. She is your father's close relative. Do not have sexual relations with your mother's sister because she is your mother's close relative. Skip down to verse 21. Do not give any of your children to be sacrificed to Molech, for you must not profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Do not lie with a man as one lies with a woman. That is detestable. Do not have sexual relations with an animal and defile yourself with it. A woman must not present herself to an animal to have sexual relations with it. That is a perversion. Do not defile yourselves in any of these ways, because this is how the nations that I am going to drive out before you became defiled. Even the land was defiled. So I punished it for its sin, and the land vomited out its inhabitants. But you must keep my decrees and my laws. The native-born and the aliens living among you must not do any of these detestable things. For all these things were done by the people who lived in the land before you, and the land became defiled. If you defile the land, it will vomit you out as it vomited out the nations that were before you. Everyone who does any of these detestable things, such persons must be cut off from their people. Keep my requirements and do not follow any of the detestable customs that were practiced before you came and do not defile yourselves with them. I am the Lord your God. Exodus chapter 20 verse 14. 2 Corinthians 6 14. I want you to read that one more time. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 9. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 4. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. The title of this message is, Keep It Pure. <laughs> Keep It Pure. I, I, I <clears throat> thank God that the Lord covers a multitude of sins Amen. in our lives. None of us have come here clean. None of us can point fingers and say, I haven't done that, I haven't done. There's some things that people have done that... Um, Remember this, we came out of the world just like everybody else and are saved by grace. There's some things that no, some people have not done. But if there's some things that people start pulling out the closet, your mouth might open, but then you start pulling yourself out the closet, their mouth will open. The Lord deals with very difficult issues 
very straightforwardly. And he doesn't make any apologies for dealing with these matters because the issues that we deal with here, they are a matter of life and death. The world sees the area of sexual relations completely differently than how God lines it out in Scripture. In Leviticus chapter 18, the emphasis on holiness and separation from the nation from where the Israelites left and the emphasis on not indulging in the sinful practices of the nation occupying the land to which they are heading is very important. They are coming from Egypt where there was sin and idolatry and they are now heading into a land where sexual perversion and anything goes. They are heading into that land and the Lord is setting the course of what his expectations are as they are in the desert at Mount Sinai and on their way. The nation of the Canaanites practiced many, many serious sins against the Lord. And as a result of that sin, he said that I am driving them out of the land. Leviticus chapters 18 through 20, the chapters 18, 19, and 20, are often viewed as a unit with Leviticus chapter 20 repeating many of the items and the sexual sins that were discussed in 18, but it gives the consequences of those particular sins and behaviors. Leviticus chapter 18, verse 6, spells out in general what is more specifically outlined in verses 7 through 18. So it's kind of an overview, and then the specifics come as we read them. Society in general is focused on physical sensation, gratification, rather than the emotional pain and trauma associated with sex outside of the confines of God's plan. What the world looks at is pleasure and anything and everything goes. What the world basically says, we are going to put you at risk for every type of venereal disease, and then we're going to say you can be safe doing it. So here are the safety precautions that you can do and use in order to have all the fun you have although we're going to put you at risk. So somehow they say safety is more important than following God's law and the emotional problems that people go through, that's not important at all. There is trauma associated with sexual abuse. Down through the years, women and men are oftentimes dealing with the effects of things that happened years ago. And what society says is that we're not concerned about that. Just go and have a good time and don't worry about it. If it feels good, just do it. Point one that we're going to primarily focus on today is laws against incest. The verses that we read today are dealing with laws dealing with incest. I want your attention. Pay attention, please. The laws dealing with with sexual relations and incest is a topic that many people want to avoid. God is not embarrassed, as I said, by the content of sexual conversations. And he is very clear 
that there are consequences associated with sex outside of marriage. Clearly God made sex. Excuse me, I'll say it again because on the radio I said that today my voice went, oh, way up there. Oh, Lord. So clearly God made sex. And he also created the context for the sexual relationship. Yet the limits that God placed within this area of the sexual union finds its place early in the book of Genesis when God gave Adam a wife. Back in the day when my parents were growing up, it was oftentimes a major blot on the family if a woman became pregnant. She, would, she had times maybe sent away to live with another. Um, there were times when it was tried to keep it under wraps and to hide it. But, but the matter is that people were the same back then as they are today. The same thing is that how do we love people, protect people, help people, and yet hold people accountable? And that's what God is saying. God's grace and provisions are given to everyone. Remember this. There is no sin that God has not covered under the blood except the sin of non-repentance. The person that refuses to repent cannot be saved. A person that says, I am not going to change, I am not going to stop what I'm doing, is a person who has made up in their mind that I don't care what God says, I'm willing to take on its consequences. Leviticus has the theme running through it that sexual union is between a husband and a wife and never relegated to how I feel towards a man or a woman that's not married to me. It is never relegated to my feelings. It is always relegated to the aspect and the idea of what the standard is of God. And one of the things that God does is that when we come to him, he takes it from that point and wipes out everything that's in our past. The only people that bring up the stuff from the past are people who want to keep bringing up junk to destroy. When God forgives you, you are forgiven. The most difficult thing that we oftentimes find is that we have a hard time forgiving ourselves. We will keep ourselves in the pen because we beat ourselves up. How do we allow the forgiveness of God to cover us even when our guilt is overwhelming us? It is only based on the word of God that you can get clarity and that you can receive forgiveness of your sins and of your guilt. There are things right now that people in this room are still dealing with from years ago, things that have happened way in the past, that when the matter comes up, it still brings up a sharp pain in the heart. There are thoughts and feelings that, that are associated with it because there is, there is trauma related to that particular event. And yet God says, not only will I forgive you, I want to show you how to prevent the recurrence of pain, and judgment from me. Seeking pleasure or how long you might have been with someone or whatever else a person comes up with is not justification for violating God's law. Longevity 
does not count. Understand. Longevity in sin is no excuse to continue it. Longevity of being with a person is not an excuse to continue living in that sin. It is clear that the Lord says that the marriage bed is undefiled. But God will judge the adulterer, the fornicator. God will judge if there is no repentance. Remember, everything is forgiven if the blood covers. Today people call themselves married simply because they have been living in sin together for a number of years. Marriage is never attained by long-standing relationship. Even in California, whether you know it or not, what is that law that they say that when you live together? What is that law called? Common law? That's what they call it? (laughs) Do you not know that on the books of California, there is no law called common law marriage? Not in California. Some other, other places have it, but not in California. But even though people call it that, never in the word of God do we read about common law marriages. You need a piece of paper and a witness, some vows to go with that. Please don't tell me, oh, we are married because we've been together. No, the Bible does not call that marriage. What the Bible says is that that's sin. And we've got to clean that part of it up. Our feelings oftentimes begins to dictate what we do with God's word. We place our feelings out there and we determine what we're going to do based on how we feel and what we think. And when it does not line up with the word of God, we began to try to justify what we've been saying. How can I just even the word of God, what scripture can I find to justify my position? Never in God's word is sin justified. The Bible says that we are to confess our sins and we are to forsake our sins. And the God of all creation, he will forgive us our sins. Incest laws are given by God to honor the importance of the family, the protection of the family, the sanctity of the family, to limit deformities within the family, to protect the husband and wife relationship and the separation unto God as a holy people. In the description that God gives regarding incestual sexual relationships to avoid, there are 12 that God lists in the chapters of 7 through 18. There are 12 of the incest laws that he goes through. And he is talking about those relationships that are close, as you noted, that we read. There are sometimes way distant cousins that may be married. He is now dealing with this matter. That close relationships within the family are now to be avoided. Before there was a law, there were certain things that were permitted, certain things that were done. I'll say permitted, they were done. And God now establishes that you are to be a people that is so distinct and so different that you are not to... Uh, engage in those types of things that I am judging other nations for. Do you not know that judgment begins at the house of God? 
We oftentimes are thinking about those on the outside. It begins within the house of God. Our emotions and our feelings and our attractions, they can run wild and crazy at times. The issue is how do you not act on those things? Pour cold water over yourself if you need to. Ice yourself down. I don't know. (laughs) But the idea of our feelings and our sexual attractions have to always come under God's rule. The Canaanites who are occupying the land to where where Israel is heading practice the very items and sins that the Lord spells out. God is forbidding the children of Israel as well as any alien that will be living with them. He is forbidding them in practicing or participating in those sexual sins. When the Lord says that the land is going to vomit you out or it has been vomiting, now that is an expression where one has no control. There is a, uh, um, this upheaval. I don't like getting sick. I recall, and I ain't going to stay on this long, but I recall once I ate some sausage and some eggs and stuff, and the sausage had a little bit too much grease that day. And I felt myself getting sick and stood outside the door of the office and felt my stomach starting to turn on me. I said, oh, no, I don't feel well. And as my stomach began to go through these convulsions, there was nothing that I could do personally to stop it. It came out. And there is this idea of this expulsion that's outside of the control. So when the Lord says, I'm going to, this is going to be this expulsion, this vomiting out, it was because of these types of sins that were so degrading that God says the land itself is even dealing with the consequences of it. The land is going to vomit you out. The Lord had promised the Israelites that if you obey me, I will send rain at the proper time. I will send sunshine at the proper time. In fact, he said that the the land would be blessed if you obey me. Do you not know that our righteousness, living for God... Remember this, living for God has an effect upon the land. The Lord blessed the land when there was obedience. The Lord says, I will curse the land if there's sin in the land. We must never forget that the Israelites, even though they received God's law, do you not know they still went into captivity because they did the very things that God said they weren't supposed to do? They went into captivity. Syria, Babylon, they had come out of captivity in Egypt. But they began to practice the very things that was in the land that God says not to do. So when the Bible gives warning, we can never go back and say, oh, I didn't know, those laws are all foggy laws. I don't know, i got to follow those laws. And then years down the road, we always say, I wish I I wish I didn't. And what happens is that the the consequences or the the reaping occurs later on. Remember this. I've said this. 
We do reap what we sow. But we also reap more than we sow. Good and bad. The reaping oftentimes can go on for years and sometimes the rest of our lives. And so we have to be very careful that when we look at matters that when God says no, we really can't always see way down the road what's going to happen. And yet, when we come to the Lord, God forgives even though we may still have to deal with the consequences of what we've done. While the Israelites were forgiven, they yet had to still deal with the consequences when they turned from God. Now, when we're dealing with this matter of incest, I'm always offended, the Lord is saying, but you're going to suffer as well. The next thing that the Lord deals also with is the matter of this God called Molech. Now, it's interesting when we look at the passage dealing with Molech, who was an idol god of a group called the Ammonites. A-M-M-O-N-I-T-E-S. Now, it's interesting that this passage our verse here, it almost seems out of context. Here we're dealing with sexual sins, and right in the middle, that you are not to give your children to Molech. Who was, who was Molech? Molech was an idol god where children were sacrificed to, burned, put in the fire to the god Molech. Now, it's interesting that some of the, of the theologians believe that with the verse being here, was there an indication that is the Lord also addressing that not giving your children to Molech also means that children that would be raised to become prostitutes in the temple of Molech? Is that also a view? But when you look at all the passages, it dealt with the matter of offering the children as sacrifices to Molech. And even some of the children of Israel did this. God's own people to an idol God that really was not a God. You are not to offer your children in the fire or in any other way to Molech. Now, one of the questions and issues that comes up is Abraham, where the Lord gave a promise to. Abraham was married to his half-sister. And Abraham is called the man of faith. He believed God. God blessed him, and the promise came through Abraham. But yet he was married to his half-sister Sarah. Now, and yet he's a man that God, not only in the Old Testament, he's mentioned in the New Testament as a man of faith. And we call ourselves children of Abraham. How do you reconcile that? Well, let's look at this. A couple things that comes to my mind is that one is the Lord called Abraham, or Abram at the time, out of a land of paganism. He was living in a land of pagans, and the Lord said, I'm calling you out from your family. That time he was already with Sarah. He was a part of that culture. But God called him out of that culture. Shows God's grace and provisions of who he will accept and bless. So he called Abram out, even though he was married, and says, I'm going to bless you to have a child, Isaac, and that child going to be the child of the promise, and I'm going to bless your seed. Called him out from his father's house because of the paganism, and he took him to a land that the Lord says, I'm going to give you this land. Back in Genesis, starting from chapter 12, you can start reading about Abraham, and through 15, 
He began to see the promises that God made. But he's married to Sarai, and her name becomes Sarah. But that's, at the time, the laws were not on the books from God, and he was not a part of God's children or family. God called him to himself and made the promise to Abram. God is a marvelous God and shows provisions when we look at this. We even think about David. When he did not, not talking about relationship with his own family, but when he sinned with Bathsheba, David saw Bathsheba, the king, knew the Lord, called her over, had relations, had a child, got pregnant, killed the lady's husband. The Lord took the child in death. And then the next child born when he married Bathsheba is we get Solomon. So when we think about things that we've done, God is able to cover and forgive. And then God's blessing to show, I will still bless you once you clean it up. God is a great and forgiving God. He's a merciful God. You see, the world does not tell you to repent. The world tells you to be more careful than how you sin. They don't offer you repentance. They offer you convenience. Don't tell children in high school not to have sex outside of marriage or sex. No, they tell you we'll dispense the condoms for you. We'll show you how to put them on. As low now as, as grades two and three, they're teaching them. And we wonder why the nation is going to hell. The matter of homosexuality is spoken of here. Homosexuality is a matter that God deals with very, very clearly and very effectively. While God loves homosexuality, he says that it is a perversion. One of the things that we have to always remember is that the Lord sets the standards and says, be careful to obey my law. Nowhere in the Bible is homosexuality, lesbianism, lesbianism, is it ever condoned. Never do you find in God's law the acceptance of it. In our society today, they say we want to be married. So wait a minute. If you want the same rights, if you are so opposed to what people that are married, husband and wife, one male, one female are, why are you trying to get and live as they do? Why are you talking against something and yet at the same time trying to live and, and, and imitate a lifestyle of that which is set aside exclusively for God's people and people that are married? Why are you clamoring for these types of things when you are so opposed to them? The Lord says that homosexuality is a perversion and he lifts it, puts it right here. And then in chapter 20 of Leviticus, he gives the consequences of what is to take place if a person is engaged in an act of homosexuality in the Old Testament. Now, we are, know we are under grace and all, and, 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 and I need to say this, that even in the New Testament, you find in the book of Romans, chapter 1, where the Lord deals with that. Paul deals with it. You see, there, there is this inclination of the heart to always rebel against God. If one is not submissive, and one does not allow God to change their being, 
we will be inclined to do anything and everything. We have to be very careful to say, I would never do that. Get yourself way out there and sin. You will be careful. You'll be finding yourself doing things that you said you never do before. Sin begets more sin. The more you sin, not only the more comfortable you become in sin, but the easier it becomes. That conscience that was at once pricking you in your, your heart and you got really convicted, pretty soon that voice goes away. And then you are no longer hearing the Holy Spirit. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, being unequally yoked. The Israelites were not initially permitted to marry anyone outside of, their, outside of the Jewish nation because God had established them. These are my people, given my laws. But he is setting law, but you can't marry each other. Other, other ones, what? He was saying that these individuals in, the, in, the, in, your, in your community, you may marry because my laws are with them. You are my people set apart. I don't want you intermarrying because their belief system will drive you away from me. Solomon ran into that problem when he had, what, 700 wives and 300, 300 concubines. Solomon loved some women. 700. Solomon! What's wrong, brother? <laughs> Thought you were supposed to be the wisest man. <laughs> and pretty soon, Solomon, when I told you, went on a building campaign for all the foreign wives. One said, I want this. And he started building. Listen to this. He even built a god to Molech. He built an idol altar for Molech. The man that was so blessed by God and the Lord said, Solomon, I'm going to give you wisdom that will, that will surpass wisdom of all mankind because you asked for that. Not only that, I'm going to bless you to be wealthy just because you didn't even ask it. I'm going to add that in just because I'm pleased with your request. And yet when he went outside of God's will, he began to suffer the consequences. Being unequally yoked is that we are not to marry individuals that are not children of the faith. Children of the faith. You are not to be married. There are, there are Christians today longing to be married with people that are nowhere near God and don't want anything to do with God and seeking and trying to marry them. You will run yourself into problems. Y'all are not looking 20 years down the road. Y'all not even looking 10 years down the road. Five years. That affection will go away eventually. Oh, I'm so... Oh, I can't stand. It don't last. If it's not sanctioned by God, don't get married based on attraction. Only. That's a good part. There's nothing wrong with being attracted. Yeah, you got to be attracted to someone. I guess I got to marry this person, Lord. Oh, no. Marry who you want to marry, but if they're in the family. And remember this, all people that are saved, you ain't to marry either. What I mean by that, just because they're a Christian, don't mean that's the person for you. There are some people, oh, I found me a good Christian man. Found myself a good Christian woman. May not be the person for you. Ain't they saved? Yep, but still. That's okay. Don't get married 
to a person just because you may have had a child with that ch- person. Back in the day, there were sh- shotgun marriages. You got my daughter pregnant, you marrying her. Now, that's not a reason to get married. Don't get married just because you may have had a child. That's my, that child's my baby's daddy or my child's mama. Mm-mm. You could be heading to some problems. Marry the person that the Lord brings into your life and that the Lord gives. So that when y'all start fighting, you can fight in the right way and make up in the right way. You marry the wrong person, Lord, you got some trouble. So marry the person. And then if you're married, stay there. Remember this. When Paul was dealing with marriage, marriage, there were some of the people that had married outside of God's will. And they said, should we divorce? He says, no. You're in the marriage, stay there. Now begin to work it out. But for those that are not married, if you're looking to be married, marry a person that's a Christian and marry the one that the Lord has for you. Don't be unequally yoked. And the yoking deals with animals. You see, when plowing, when animals are plowed, two different animals were not supposed to be yoked together as they were working in the fields. Didn't put a mule with a cow and, you know, put it, you know, no, no, no. Don't be unequally yoked. Don't, don't be connected up with the person. Because guess what? When you have relationships that are sexual, you become one with that person. There are even hormones that are released that brings the attraction even together. That's why when that, that happens, there's a specialness that happens within that relationship. You've got to be very careful. Today I deal with, with people who have uh, run into various situations. And, 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 and the issues that they've dealt with years ago are plaguing them right now. And so part of the thing for me is how do you give people help that are designed to have help? How do you love people and help them to be able to know that there is not only the ability to change, but God's grace and mercy that can cover and help you, even though you may still have to go through difficulties? You see, sometimes people think that they're going to get out of sometimes the issues or consequences. Those are still there. We have to go through them. We'll be ending here quickly in just a moment. Christians are to marry Christians. Who inherits the kingdom of God? There is this idea that I can live anyway and still go to heaven. It's true as long as you repent and you cut it off. There's a cutting off point. There are Christians who believe that I'm just going, <laughs> the Lord says I can, I'm forgiven, I'm going to do this sin. I'm going to repent afterwards and say, Lord, forgive me. That's willful. I, I'm going to go ahead and do this sin and come to the Lord after and say, Lord, you know me. <laughs> well, forgive me now, Lord. <laughs> Get yourself out of that situation. We have to be very careful with the sexual relation because it's, a very, very, it's very powerful. You have to be careful when it's unleashed because it is very powerful. Women will oftentimes give their bodies, give themselves to be loved, and men will oftentimes, men, men oftentimes don't have the same values as women. They brag about their conquests. I mean, women may too as well. I mean, well, no, man, I had three, four, I, oh, man, let me tell you about my, my night last night. 
we have to be careful about this idea of bragging. As we get older, we begin to say, you know, wait a minute, that's somebody's daughter. I have to consider what, what I want that happen to my daughter. What, if I'm going to marry this person, how would I want to treat this individual? We have to be so very aware that it's not a matter of conquest. But how do we make sure that we are honoring what God honors? The Lord has it right here in the book and even in the New Testament, this matter of sexual integrity. Even right now, if you are in relationships that are outside of the bounds of God's word, today you can say, Lord, I heard the message. I'm done. I'm turning over a new leaf. Hint, hint. No fig leaves. <laughs> if repenting is needed, say, Lord, I repent. I am sorry. Thank you for your forgiveness. And God says, you're covered and clean. Don't use your emotions or your feelings to determine creative ways of sin and how you can get out of God's will. God's judgment is, is, is there. And then think about this as we end. Last week we were talking about holiness. We, were, we mentioned when we look at God's holiness, it always involves judgment. We think about God's holiness. Sin cannot be in the presence of God. And when, Aaron, and when Aaron's sons came into God's presence in an unworthy way, God judged them directly. We sometimes, and I've said this before, we take the grace of God and we think just like the unbeliever when they say, well, where is this, this coming that he talked about? I don't see him coming. Everything remains the same. And the Bible says, well, they forget long ago what God did. And so we have to be very careful that we don't take God's grace right now in our lives to mean that he is sanctioning all that we do because judgment comes and then it comes unexpectedly and very swiftly. And once judgment begins, it can be a very dreadful thing. So what does God do? He sets parameters and he does it to help us and to protect us. Bow your heads. Today in this place, Lord, there may be people that are dealing with sexual sins. And many people that, Lord, have been trying to extricate themselves. You know, yet you love people. You love us all. And yet, it does not take away from what your word says, that we are to live holy. If people have said, you are my Lord and Savior, I live for you. It has to be evidenced by how we live not just what we say. And so today, God, we're praying that you will bring conviction that will set people free. We are praying that, God, even when we have to bring our thought back into subjection to the word of God, help us to do it. We are praying even when tempted that we will guard those areas where we know that we're vulnerable and not expose ourselves. And that we will be mindful that, God, you give us more grace when it's needed to help us to be overcomers. 
But if we run past your grace and decide to go into the area where we know we have difficulty, Lord, we're going to have problems. So we're praying today that you will help us, keep us, strengthen us as a body. Not to make excuses. Not to try to deviate from the word of God. Not to look for loopholes. Not to cover our sins with anything else but the blood of Jesus Christ. To have you cover us. We love you. We give you the glory this day. And we honor and worship you. In Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless you. We'll see you later this week.